are going to have a time tonight. All right, let's go now in the Old Testament to Exodus 33. Tonight is a message about the hand of God, God's mighty hand. He has a mighty hand, and his hands are big. He has hands that will bless, hands that will judge. He, uh, on one hand, he, uh, he can really cause a lot of problems for people that get out of sorts. And then on the other hand, he can take a child and uh, gather that child up into his lap and caress and, and love people. He, he has, uh, I heard the, the hand of God is like um, an iron fist covered in soft velvet. And that, that's the way the Lord is. He, uh, he has a real strong hand, but uh, it's, covered, it's covered with soft velvet. Kind of makes you think, uh-oh, I better stay on God's good side. I don't want God's hand to um, come down. So Exodus chapter number 33, Moses was really going through a hard time in his life. He'd been chosen as the leader. He had the Ten Commandments. The law was already given, and now he just needs God. I don't know if you've ever been there. How many of you ever just thought, I just need God's hand in my life? Uh, a lot of people are really uh, frightened to ask that. But if, you're, if, if, if your heart is right with God, there's nothing to fear to ask God, please have your hand in my life and show me. And uh, so... Uh, Moses actually asked God, how can I get the news to these people? How can I prove that, that you really chose me and that you really are the God that, that they need? How, how can I be such an intercessor? Uh, you've chosen me to be the man of God for Israel. Uh, you put a lot on me, and I don't know if I can do it. I didn't think I could. Moses is talking to God like that. He's, how can I... How can I take these rebellious people that, that are just stiff-necked and they, they're disobedient? How are we going to get them to understand that you've, you've chosen me who I'm so unworthy? Now, Moses was in a big dilemma. He had a hard time with that. But you know what? This portion of Scripture is not just here for us to understand what God did for Moses. But he's also, it's also for you and me. We're his children. Sometimes you need to get uh, alone with the Lord, just like Moses did. So let's go to verse 13. We're going to go from 13 to 23 tonight. And so now that's the setting up of the, of, of the situation here. Verse 13 of chapter 33, Exodus says, Now therefore... I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. This is Moses' prayer. He's talking to God. And he said, God told Moses, he said, My presence shall go with thee. I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? 
so shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. Now look up here for just a minute. You see what Moses is asking God. If you're not with us, I don't want to do this. If you're with us, it'll show the whole world that there is a separation and that your grace is upon us. And if I have found grace, if we have found your grace, I need you to go with me. And God promised, I'm going to go with you. I'll be with you. And yes, I have, I have uh, found, you have found grace. I have been uh, I'm promising you that I will do this thing. Verse 17, also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight. God is going to show great grace. <coughs> now, verse 18, and he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Moses wanted to see God. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. Now, that proves right there that Joseph Smith never saw God. He would be dead the minute he saw him. But this is different. God's going to have grace on Moses. He's going to pass before him. Let's go to verse 21. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock, and it shall come to pass while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in a cliff of the rock. Some people call it a cleft of the rock or cliff. It's a split. It's a crack. It's a little place that uh, obviously a man could hide. And he put him in the cliff of the rock. Isn't that sweet? And I'll cover thee there with what? My hand. Moses got to see the hand of God. He got to feel hand of God. Now, I don't know, but I, I suspect it was Jesus who did that. But when he said, show me thy glory, remember, Jesus had not been born of a Virgin Mary yet. He had not had the physical human body of earth. He did, he did not have that yet. He wasn't born of a woman yet. He showed up, though, in glory. And if he showed all of his glory, nobody could live in the presence of all of his glory. It would kill him. So think about this. Moses was put in a cliff of the rock, and Jesus came by, put his hand, covered him with his hand, and he walked by. And then, and then he says, now, when, when I pass by, I'll take my hand off of you, but you can't see my face, but you can see the hinder parts of my body. See? So there's a spiritual body in the likeness of human flesh, but yet he was not born of Mary yet. So it was incredibly glorious of, of what he was going to see. And Moses got to see the Lord 
uh, in the in the back in the hinder parts of him. That's amazing. Look at verse twenty-two, and it shall come to pass, while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in the cliff of the rock and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by, and I will take my hand away, my hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. So that happened, and you know, it's amazing what happened. Uh, Moses went up on the mountain so many times and he got to talk with God so many times and he got to hear God in the temple or the tabernacle. He got to talk with God and God's hand was so close to him all the time. You know, figuratively, we say God's hand is on that lady. God's hand is on that child. God's hand is on that man. And we ought to all want God's precious hand upon our lives. We, we want God to lead us by his precious hand. He has, he has hands that can handle everything. Um, now, we are very fickle. We are unstable. If, you, uh, if, if any of this um, you agree with, you might want to say amen to one of these. Um, uh, we forget serious things, don't we? We uh, were very weak in too many areas. <coughs> Our emotional issues tend to flare up. We get tricked and deceived way too often. We sin on purpose, fully knowing that we're doing it, fully aware, on purpose, deliberately, we sin, don't we? That's hard to admit, but we do. Through all this that I just mentioned, through all that, we don't want to admit that we do any of that. <coughs> and then we get proud about it. And God still has his hand on us. Isn't that amazing? Now, that's not the way we live. I, I hope you understand those should be very rare instances where you're fickle, unstable, forget emotional and flare up and tricked and deceived and sin and prideful. That's not the way we're supposed to live. But sometimes we end up that way. God does have to humble us. And yet God saved us and called us his sheep and holds us in his hands. With, without a doubt, God takes you and I. We, we, we're just human people. But don't ever forget how much God loves you. He loves us so much, and yet we're just so, we're so bad sometimes. We're just human. We forget. I heard that we don't use all of our brains. I know I don't. My parents would say, what were you thinking? <laughs> uh, those, those words ring in my mind many times. Uh, look at John chapter 10 in the New Testament. John chapter 10 tells us, this issue. Now, Moses got to see God's hand and he got to touch him. How incredible. But he's not the only one. He's not the only one that's going to uh, see the hand of God. He's not the only one that gets to touch the Lord. He's, the, he's not the only one. Moses isn't the, the only person special in the whole Bible. There's a lot of uh, wonderful people. You and I are called his sheep and we are the sheep of his pasture, and I don't know, uh, I've never been 
a sheep herder before, but I'll tell you what, those sheep, they all get touched by the master. The pastor of the shepherd, the shepherd always goes and actually he, he uh, shears the sheep and feeds the sheep and makes sure they're healthy and he pets them and he plays with them. I mean, it's, they, have you ever seen a shepherd? They really have a lot of fun. I mean, there's, there's a kinship. I know, it's just, I know they're just animals, but he, 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 he told us in the Old Testament and the New Testament that you and I are the sheep of his pasture. We are the sheep, his sheep. Hey, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. So he knows we're just sheep. But he loves us anyway. And you know, sheep are pretty dumb. They are dumb, dumb, dumb. And they can get, they, but they're so sweet, you know. They're so wonderful. But they're just not all there mentally. Uh, sheep, you know what they, you know what sheep will do? If, if they don't get fed properly, you know what they'll do? They'll stay in one area. If the shepherd doesn't move them, the sheep just feel like, well, I got to keep eating down. They'll eat the grass all the way to the dirt. And then they'll start eating the, uh, all the, the junk in the dirt. And they're so dumb, they can't stop. And they keep looking for root. I mean, it's just terrible. And then they get disease and they get some kind of bugs and stuff. That, that's why God leads us into these green pastures. And, 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 and that's one thing we all need to stay in the Bible. Amen. Where's your pasture? Well, your pastor's right here, but your pasture is right here, right? There's your green grass right there. So look at verse number uh, number, uh, number 25. Uh, John 10, 25, the hand of God. Jesus said, I told you, and you believed not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you believe not, because ye are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Remember what God said to Moses, I know thee by name. I know your name, Moses. You know what? God knows our name. Look at verse 28. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. We believe eternal security around here. Amen? Everybody. I can prove it. And if you don't believe it, I'm sorry, you're wrong. God gives us eternal security. You're secured in you're 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 in the beloved. You're in Christ. Verse uh, number twenty-eight says, "Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand." All right. So there's the hand of Jesus. Right? Are you with me? Then, then look at the next verse. So you're in you're in Jesus' hand. All right. And verse twenty-nine says, "My Father." which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. So I believe this. Jesus Christ's hand holds us. He said that. You're in my hand. No man can pluck you out of my hand. I'm your, I'm your Savior. I'm your, I'm your Lord. You're in me. I have you. I've got you. And no man can pluck you out of my Father's hand. Do you know what that means? I believe this. I believe you and I are in Jesus' hand, and Jesus and you and I, we're all in the Father's hand. We're never going to lose our salvation. If you can pluck a soul out of the hand of God, well, then you can lose your salvation. 
So the hand of God is so important. And I believe this. I believe that God has a hand in, in everything we need, don't you? You know, where do we go to have the needs that we need supplied? Sometimes we just can't go to the government. No, let me change that. You never can go to the government. <laughs> you can't, you can't, you can't uh, rely on the government. That, the government's not God. Now, the government would love to be God. And you know why? Because the people that run the government are lifted up to act like little gods. And then the little gods in government have a leader that acts like the God over. And they lord over each other, and they all lord over us. In fact, the pastor of a church is not supposed to be lording over the flock. We're supposed to be brothers and sisters. And praise God for it. But when I have a need, uh, I have to go to the Lord over that. When we have a need, you go to God. And don't look at it like, well, I asked him once, and he didn't say anything to me. Well, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't mean you just stop, stop knocking, right? You got to keep knocking. Keep knocking. I have a friend. He needs bread. Can you get up and help him? You and I are friends. Can you help my friend? He, he, he doesn't have any bread. Oh, the only reason I'm getting up is because I know you. That's what Jesus said that, that, that happened. He said, because you are my friend, I'm going to get up and I'm going to give you to help this person. So it's all the Lord. He, he doesn't want to just act like a short order cook, right? <laughs> Fatty milk. No onions. Dr. Pepper. Yuck. Um, you know, Coke and Pepsi. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean it. If you're a Dr. Pepper person, that's. Hey, hey, hey this is my pulpit. Patty milk, <laughs> eggs straight up, you know, just whatever it is. Two poached, you know, scrambled, easy on the butter. Well, I don't know. We we tend <coughs> to act like God is just this over overworked cook behind the the greasy spoon kitchen counter, and we act like waitresses, and we spin that thing around. Order, <laughs> you know. You ever seen them at a really good restaurant? They got those um, springs with a little black knob on there. And she writes it out, and she sticks it up there, and it goes snap, and she wheels that wheel around so the cook can see it. You know, that's not the way we pray to God. That's not. We get on our knees, and we talk to him, and we have fellowship with him. Philippians 4.19 says, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God has a hand in everything we need. I wish I could tell you all the stories. My goodness. I'm just amazed at how God takes care of our family. I don't know how he does it. I told you a long time ago, I just stopped worrying about money. I don't care about money anymore. I've, you know, there's been times when I didn't have it, so I stopped using it. Um, so, yeah. yeah. What would you do? Go steal? No, no, I... I I've threatened to sell a couple kids, but I never have had. I never have had to. <laughs> no, 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 no. I wouldn't do that. 
my, my wife was threatening to sell me. <laughs> I don't know how much I could get on the open market, but man, she'd be a millionaire if she sold me. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> man, man, you're just pulling it out of me tonight. Uh, don't give her any ideas, okay? <laughs> Lock that door. All right. So God has a hand in meeting our needs. He really does. And, and it'll always be that way. Did you know that God has a hand in uh, the pathways of our life? The paths of our life. God uh, owns us. He bought and paid for us. And none of us. What? No, you're not. That your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost that you have of God. And you're not your own. You bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your spirit and in your body, which are the Lord's. I don't own myself. I can't say, hey, uh, God, could you, uh, could, you, could you do something for me real quick? <laughs> no. <laughs> I heard a pastor say something. He, he was having trouble with one of the church members, and, and he says, hey, would you do me a favor real quick? Would you do something really quick for me? Would you drop dead? <laughs> Uh, yeah, if we get if we we get to looking at God like a short order cook, I'm sorry, he he will not. He'll just laugh. You know, he loves us, but he's not going to be treated like that. He wants to have a hand in your life. Turn with me to Isaiah quick. We're going to run a couple verses, and we'll be done tonight. I I'm sorry, but uh, it is very very difficult to be constrained by the by the by the time and everything. I I hate it. But tonight, ask God to have his hand in your life. Now, you don't want God to have his hand stretched out, remember? You don't, I'll stretch out my hand in judgment. I mean, I could only, when I was driving as a teenager, I was driving my 63 Galaxy 500, 390 straight stick in overdrive. Man, that was a nice car. It'd be worth like $20,000, $30,000 right now if I had it. But I was driving it. I was I was late for something, and right down our neighborhood, we had a street going perpendicular to the upper street that was kind of on a hill. And if you know what I'm about to say, you hit that flat street, and if you were going a little faster than you should, then uh, you would launch the car. And yeah, that's a lot. Never do that, Jack. Never. But I was uh, I was running down to the store, and uh, I I got a little airborne. And uh, guess guess what car was coming up the other direction? It was a police car. And, man, I thought my goose was cooked. But he was busy. He must have been on a call. I was going too fast. And I'll, I, I remember this, the biggest hand I've ever seen in my life. He was big. This officer was huge, and he was mad. He couldn't stop me. I know I would have got a ticket. But he just, he looked at me, he went, like that. I slowed, I'm telling you, that was so scary. Stretched his hand out and pointed at me. Can you imagine God getting upset and stretching out his hand? I've had enough of this. No more. You know, oh, your dad ever said that to you? Woo. Well, how about your mom? <laughs> When my mom got upset, her lips got really tight. 
she would go. She'd be on the phone. And I'd be over here causing trouble. And she couldn't get off the phone, couldn't hang up. The conversation was too important. But I'd be able to. <laughs> I was getting in trouble. And, and she'd look at me and she'd go. <laughs> like that. Man alive, I thought, I'm going to die. I don't want God to have his hand on me in anger. We should be very, remember, God has a fist of iron, but it is covered in soft velvet. His hand is incredible. Isaiah 49, verse 7. <coughs> it says, concerning Edom, thus saith the Lord of hosts, is wisdom no more in Taman? Is counsel perished from the prudent? Is their wisdom vanished? Flee ye, turn back, dwell deep, O inhabitants of Dedan, for I will bring the calamity of Esau upon him, the time that I will visit him. If great gatherers come to thee, would they not, would they not leave some gleaning grapes? If thieves by night, they will destroy till they have enough. But I have made Esau bear. I have uncovered his secret places. He shall not be able to hide himself. His seed is spoiled, his brethren, his neighbors, and he is not. Leave thy fatherless children. I will preserve them alive. And, and let thy widows uh, trust in me. For thus saith the Lord, Behold, they whose judgment was not to drink of the cup have assuredly drunken. And art, art thou he that shall altogether go unpunished? Thou shalt not go unpunished. Thou shalt surely drink of it, for I have sworn by myself, saith the Lord. At Basra shall uh, become a desolation, a reproach, a waste, and a curse, and all the cities thereof shall be a perpetual waste. I have heard the rumor from the Lord, and an ambassador is sent unto the heathen, saying, Gather ye together, and come up against her, and rise up to the battle, for lo, I'll make thee small among the heathen and despised among them. Thy uh, terribleness hath deceived thee in the pride of thine heart. O thou that dwellest in the clefts of the rock, that holdest the height of the hill, though thou shouldest make thy nest as high as the eagle, I'll bring thee down from thence, saith the Lord. All that judgment, he's going to stretch his hand out and judge people. There's no hiding uh, away from the hand of God. I thank God that he has disciplined me in, uh, in love. He has not destroyed me. He has not beaten me to death. He, he, he guides us with his hand. His hand is wonderful. Remember, remember in Luke 24, remember what Jesus did. He showed them his hand, and then he went back again. And he said, touch me and, and feel me, for a spirit has not flesh and bones like you see me have. And they touched him. Because we can't see God, we, we sometimes think that he can't see us. But he knows us. So we want God to have his hand. My sheep, he guides us. Last verse now, watch this. 1 Peter 5 and verse 6. One more verse. 1 Peter 5, 6. Can you 
can you pray and say, Lord, I want your hand in my life. Because when God puts his hand on you, nobody can take it off. When he opens a door, nobody shuts it. When he shuts a door, nobody can open it. When God puts his hand on us and he guides us with his gentle hand, there's nothing better in the whole wide world than have God's hand on us. So trust him, lean on him, rely on him, believe him, and it all pleases him. 1 Peter 5, 6, and we'll be done. First, or excuse me, yeah, 1 Peter 5, 6. All right, last verse tonight. It, I think it says it all. It says in verse 6, Humble yourselves, there, uh, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that ye may exalt you in due time. Isn't that a great verse? Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. God's hand is, is, is the most wonderful thing to guide us and to protect us, to shelter us, to cover us, to lead us, to hold us. There's nothing, there's nothing better than to have God's hand on your life. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Let's pray together.